We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two, all engines running. Ten questions with Adam Zwar. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff, we have liftoff. Welcome back to 10 Questions. Today's guest is Michaela Bannis. Michaela was born with a malfunctioning kidney, didn't grow for the first few years of her life, and nearly died of whooping cough. But illness never got in the way of her acting career, which started at the age of 18 months when she starred in a TV commercial for the New Zealand Labour Party. Since then, her credits have included Always Greener, which I loved her in, McLeod's Daughters, Neighbours, and in my opinion, her finest work as Amber Wheeler in Upper Middle Bogan. In recent years, she's also shown excellent comedy chops on panel shows like Dirty Laundry Live and Have You Been Paying Attention. We're big fans of Michaela here at 10 Questions and started proceedings by asking her when she was most happy. I actually think I'm probably happiest at this point in my life because, uh, you know, that that thing of, you know, the older you get, the less you care about what other people think. I think that's quite true. And I think, not that I don't care what anyone thinks, of course I, I care what people think, but I care less about what others think of me than I, than I used to. And that's kind of freeing. And so that's sort of just with that freedom comes a bit more happiness. And then I, I think also I'm just a bit better at, dealing with my emotions I know that sounds a bit weird I've always been an emotional person I've always expressed myself but in terms of understanding why I'm feeling things and all that sort of stuff I think I'm just in a better place with all of that now and and so I don't know I feel like I you never just feel one thing at a time you know like if like if you're feeling flat or down or a bit shitty or whatever, you're probably also feeling lots of other things. You're always feeling more than one thing at a time, I mm. guess. And so like like recently I've not been very well. And then so when you're not well, all you can kind of think and feel, all you think you feel is how terrible physically you're feeling or whatever. But, you know, in amongst that, um, I said to my partner the other day, I was like, oh, I also feel really happy because I feel supported and loved and cared for, so yeah. I feel really good as well as feeling really bad, you know. Michaela's partner is the very funny actor, TV host and improviser Toby Truslove, who's currently dividing his time between being a tower of strength for Michaela and filming the third season of Utopia for ABC. We talked about how great Toby was for a while before coming to the conclusion that illness can sometimes bring a couple closer together. I think it has, and I think... Gosh, I honestly, I don't know where I would be without Toby right now because I, you know, I like I said, I haven't been very well. But it's um, there's nothing better than feeling supported and taken care of when you when you're unwell or you know whatever. Because I don't know, there's you know, like especially if you're really away from your family. Like I don't live, I don't have any family in Melbourne. Yeah. And so, and, and when you're not sick, you're just like, I just want my mum or I just want my dad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you get a bit of that, even as a grown-up, I love that. That never goes away, I don't think. I just want mum or dad or someone, you know? Yeah. Someone that you just go, ugh. 100%. <laughs> um, because I have family in Melbourne and I, I, I happen to have the most excellent partner, so... You know, I um, it's it's he's been amazing. <laughs> Wait, so your dad's in Brisbane, and where's your mum? Dad's in Brisbane. Mum's in New Zealand still. Okay. So, 
mum and um, one of my brothers and a lot of my family are in New Zealand, extended family, and then I've got a brother and Sydney brother brother and nephew in Sydney and dad in Brisbane. Just a note to any New Zealand TV and film producers, Michaela grew up in New Zealand and could do a very serviceable New Zealand accent. So that means she's available for any Peter Jackson films and or Shortland Street. We move on to question two. Who would Michaela like to apologise to and why? Oh, jeepers. Who would I like to apologise to? You know, uh, I think everyone wants to apologise to their parents, don't they, for their teen years. I mean, I think it was pretty unbearable for part of my teenage years i mean no worse or better than anyone else but definitely was a bit of a stage where i was lying about where i was going and you know trying yeah. to trying to be cool and fit in and stuff so i'm sure my parents were stressed out to the max um <gasps> uh, you know i i don't know probably <sighs> Yeah, I guess my I guess my parents. I'm sure there are many people out there, you know, just going. I'd love an apology from her, but <laughs> I don't know. You know, I think I think when I've needed to apologise, um, as an adult at least, I've absolutely done that, and and That's um, good. you know, which is which is good. I, I'm not saying I'm I'm right or anything, but I think that I've I, I've apologised to the people I think have uh, have needed that and I have needed to. Yeah. Uh, and actually it kind of, it helps and it doesn't help, I think, as well. Like, I don't know, sometimes an apology, it's not going to cut it. Like if you really hurt someone, just saying sorry doesn't make the hurt go away, unfortunately. Mm. But it's absolutely worth doing, of course, to, to, to voice that and, and to be sincere in it. And it's got to come from a sincere and honest place. But unfortunately, if you hurt someone or you have been hurt by someone, an apology doesn't take that pain away, which is a shame because I would like to take pain away that I may have caused on occasion, I suppose. But that's actually not an option. Um, yeah, that happened to me. There was, there was a uh, someone who... who um, uh, it was an incident on a film set, and I uh, and I where you know definitely he was in the hundred percent in the wrong, and he apologized. Mm. Um, sent me an email and apologized, and it took me. I wasn't didn't touch the sides at the time, and then like yeah. literally six months later, I thought, oh, you know what, I'm over that, and he apologized. So clear slate. Yeah. So it took about six months for the apology. To drop, <laughs> and it was, a, and you felt it. Like it was a sincere, legitimate apology. Yeah, I did. It, it was sincere, but at the time, I thought what I did was, ah, uh, so yeah. barbaric. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's the thing, and that's the thing, though. You get sort of get taught just to, you know, say sorry, and you go sorry, and, that, and that's supposed to be a, make it all okay, and that's not necessarily the case, you know. No. And it's it's you know obviously as long as it's honest and sincere and you mean it then that's all you kind of can do you can't yeah. take actions or words back just some background because i know there might be some questions i was injured on a film set a couple of years ago because of someone's tomfoolery but i'm over it or am i let's get back to michaela and how some apologies resonate and others don't without going into to, to too much detail i, I remember my mum um, I grew up with my dad, so my mum left when I was when I was four, and um, 
and it, I get asked a lot about it because people find out and think that's really interesting and, you know, yeah, why right. didn't she stay? And, but that's a long story. But at the end of the day, as an adult, I, you know, I'm, I have a wonderful relationship with my mum and I talked to her about that a few years ago and she said to me, if I, if I thought it would help, I would apologise to you every day. Yeah. But I but that won't take away what's happened. Yeah. And that was a big I went I went oh shit that's I mean you know I I understand the pain that she was in and and I mm. I have an understanding of her actions and and all of that sort of stuff and she's an amazing woman but I thought wow yeah that's that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. If she said sorry to me every day for my whole life it actually wouldn't change what had happened. So um, Yeah. It's it, that, that that was my little lesson in that is uh, yes, apologize, of course, but you can't change what's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> what's done is done, you know. Oh, dear. The American author H. Jackson Brown once said, Never forget the nine most important words of any family I love you, you are beautiful, please forgive me. And we move on to question three, Michaela. What is your greatest regret? Ah, oh, jeez. I mean, I like to think I don't really have any, but that's, you know, I'm sure there's there's lots of little ones. I certainly don't regret anything I've ever done, you know. It's not it's not you know, that's that seems to be a thing. I remember reading a thing about um they interviewed people on their deathbed and like, you know, talking to them about their regrets and that none of them regretted anything they'd done. They only regretted things they hadn't done. Uh, um, yeah, okay. Which is interesting, interesting, you know. In 2013, palliative nurse Bronnie Ware wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And those regrets were, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. And I wish I had let myself be happier. <laughs> yeah. I wish I worked less and spent more time with people they care about. Um, I guess I regret not being nicer to myself when I was younger. I was yeah. really kind of hard. I think most most teenagers and people, humans, uh, you know, when they're teenagers are pretty hard on themselves. It's a tough time and you're trying to fit in and work out who you are and all that stuff. But I think for a long time, even in my 20s and stuff, I think I was on the inside really mean to myself mm. and I wish I wish I hadn't been because I'm, I'm an okay person. I'm not perfect but, you know, yeah. I, I, um, I just beat myself up a lot internally and I think that's, that's really sucks. <laughs> oh, me too. Uh, yeah? Definitely. Oh, yeah. And I think we still do it a little bit. I mean, well, I don't know about you, but you know, you, you still do it as an as an oh, adult. Yeah. But but I certainly was. It's it's taken me into my mid late thirties to realize how horrible I was being to myself. So I kind of regret that I was that mean to myself for so long. Um, you know, you've really got to. We need to start being. I mean, really kind to ourselves. I think, in so many ways, it's it's not cool. Let's understand that you know there's pain and then there's pain. But um, yeah. coming out of an audition is a particular kind of melancholy that uh, that actors have to put up with all the time. And it's that thing. I mean, not and it never goes away. Um, it never goes away, no matter how much experience you have. I think you know when I talk no. to young new actors 
people who are new to new to the industry and they're like, you know, oh, I just get so nervous. I'm like, I'm always shaking with nerves. I'm always terrified and nervous. Yeah. And I always beat myself, well, not beat myself up so much now, but I always come out and go, oh, man, I should have done it like that. And you can't. The thing is there is no kind of end point, you know, you as an actor, you're never going to get it right. There is no getting it right. And we think that we can and that doesn't exist. No. You know. And, and we walk out and go, I didn't get that right. I, oh, man, oh, this, that, and the other. It's just, it's awful. It's awful. But we all feel it. It's a common pain. Yeah. And I think, um, and I think that's why we need to you know, sort of support each other and look out for each other and take care of each other and why there's so many massive issues with mental health in the entertainment industry because because of things like that. Where you, just, you just walk out going, oh, well, I'm never going to get a job because I'm just crap. Like most times you walk out of an audition and think that, how will I ever get a job? And it's not healthy, but that's unfortunately how a lot of us feel. I mean, it must be something like a like a ritual you can do afterwards to actually make yourself feel better, you know, like meet someone for coffee or... Yeah. Oh, something, yeah, find it. To find a thing that you where you can just let it go. And, you know, the more, yes, the more you do it, the better you get at letting things go and walking away and... And, um, you know, I'm a little bit of a hippie in the sense that I go, if, if, it's, if it's meant to be for me, it'll happen. And sometimes, I, I, you know, a lot of the time I won't get the job, but that's probably because I am not right or it wasn't going to be a good thing for me or a nice experience for me or, you know, something. There'll be a reason. There's always a reason. That's my, yeah. my little brain. That. So I try to walk out and go, well, I, I did what I did. Like whatever happened in that room is what was meant to happen in a sense or – you know, because there's so much we can't control and we think we can, you yeah. know. Oh, it's interesting. And you would have seen, because you've, you've done a lot of, um, you've obviously been a reader in a lot of auditions as well. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, yeah. you would have seen how different people handle it, um, handle the oh, nerves, yeah. handle the pressure. A reader is someone who reads opposite all the actors coming in to audition for a film or TV show. I've done it before, Michaela's done it a lot, and it's fascinating to see all the different approaches that actors have, not to just a single role, but the whole craft of acting. I've seen really, really well-known actors and completely new actors and everyone, you know, there's no, no one's better at it than anyone else necessarily. The thing is, if you're in the room, you're already right for it. You're already good enough <laughs> you yeah. know um and everyone's really good it's just a matter and it's not going on oh, that one was better than that one it, it's just a matter of who fits whatever image the the director and producers have in their head or who looks like the person whose sister they're playing exactly. it, you know so many factors that are completely out of your control and you, we also fall into the trap afterwards of um of tiki they don't like you like yeah, you don't get the personal. role that you know. Well, that director hates me. Um, yeah, didn't cast person. me in that thing, and I worked my guts out, and he didn't cast me, or she didn't cast me. Yeah, mm. it's not the case. It's not about. Sorry, it's not about you. Yeah, I know because we've all got this pathology that everything's about us, because that's why we're actors. Yeah, it's not. It's um. not. It's about. The, it's about the writing, actually. <laughs> it's about the writing. Exactly. Um, yeah. Question four is, what will you still need to do to feel you've lived a satisfactory life? I, in some ways, so many things. Like there are so many things I'd like to still do. Yep. But in terms of feeling satisfied, I could die tomorrow and feel satisfied. I, I don't That's feel great. like I'm not 
doing the things I want to do or I've got this unfulfilled part of me that I don't feel like that. And, I, I mean, you know, I'm unsure as to whether I want to have children. I, I think I do. I'm not 100%. Um, so I, I, for some people it would be having a family and for me maybe that's a thing. I don't know. Mm. Um, and I, I want to, you know, make my own stuff. I'm writing and, and trying to I'd love to direct and, uh, you know, create new work and yeah. all of that stuff. Stuff, but I don't think if that never happened, I would feel unsatisfied. Mm. I think I would feel like, well, you know, I, I think the longer I go, the, it's just going to happen because I, I can't not, I can't just sit and do, do nothing. I have to keep moving forward in my life, and so things will change and happen and whatever. But, but yeah, I, I know it's a kind of I'm sort of. I'm sort of sitting on the fence, really, I guess, but on, on many levels I feel very satisfied and, and, and I've had an incredible life. And so if it stopped now, I wouldn't go, I wish I had. But also there are so many things I want to do still. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if you were to live another 30 or 40 years or 50 years, yeah. you, these are the well, things you want to do. But up until now, it's been Yeah, great. it's inevitable that stuff's going to happen over the next 30, 40 years and I'm excited for it and... You know, maybe it'll be being a parent, maybe it won't, maybe it'll be creating, you know, work, teaching, I who knows? There's lots of stuff I want to do um, and I'm excited about and I'm scared of and all that sort of stuff. But um, in terms of satisfaction, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's brilliant. The next question is, who is the person who most influenced you and how? So many people influence you in different ways. You know, I've had... Um, people who've influenced me on a, you know, personal, spiritual level and people who've influenced me in a work way and lots of incredible influences and moments that have changed me and people that have given me advice or I've had experiences with people and that's changed me. And that I mean, I'm really fortunate. I've had many. I suppose in terms of who has influenced me the most would probably be my dad. I grew up with my dad. Yeah. He's in the same industry as me. He's a now a writer. He was an actor, a director, producer, and now predominantly a writer. But um, and so because we have a, a real understanding, you know, it's a it's a strange industry that I work in, and so <laughs> you know, um, yeah. to have a, a parent who is in the same world who really gets it is um, is a, is a really wonderful thing to have because you know my mum who who's a gorgeous, wonderful woman, but she's she's not really in this industry at all. So I do anything I do, she thinks is wonderful. <laughs> and bless her heart, it is. Um, <laughs> but you know, like she just thinks anything I do is amazing, and and, and that's gorgeous. But you know, I, I get real constructive criticism from dad. I mean, I just wrote my first feature, and I I, I just oh, wrote wow. a pilot, co-wrote a pilot um, with a, a friend in LA, and and I was like sending it to dad this is one of the first things i did because i know that he will come back and give me some really helpful notes and and his opinion is one i value very highly and and um you know uh i think we have a really great relationship i guess uh, because i was raised by him i was raised by him and and um my, my stepmother but you know in terms of biological parents not that i'm saying step parents aren't important and and you don't have close relationships but but i you know um going up with my dad i think was a it just 
Yeah, I think we have a really special relationship. Michaela's father, John, is a bit of a TV legend. He's the creator of City Homicide. His other writing credits include Water Rats, Blue Healers, Stingers, All Saints, Underbelly, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, and many more. I asked Michaela if she wanted to follow in his footsteps as a writer and director, and she said she was more interested in the directing side of things. So if you do become a, a director, what note would you never give to an actor? <laughs> um, well, I would really try to avoid giving them a line reading. <laughs> Say it like this. For those of you who don't know what line reading is, it's when the director says the line for you in the way that he, want, he or she wants you to say it. Um, yeah. I've heard that before. I would never um, also, uh, after having an experience like this as a young actor, I would also never yell at an actor to make them cry. Oh, God. I had that happen. No, no, it's not the way to make me cry, by the way, for all the directors out there. Yeah, this yeah. director particularly thought that that would be the way to trigger some tears in me, and it was not. I once interviewed William Friedkin, the director of The Exorcist and The French Connection, and he told me that when he was making The Exorcist, he couldn't get one of the actors to cry. So he hit him across the face as hard as he could and then instructed the cameras to roll. Sure, the actor cried, as many people would, after being assaulted. That's fucked. <laughs> it's fucked, isn't it? I mean, oh, I, I did a, I did assault. A, a, a class with Ellen Burstyn, who's in The Exorcist, and she was telling us all kinds of stories about about that film and and how he got some of the performances and how she got you know hurt on several occasions, but they just kept rolling because they're gonna get the shot. It's like that's not okay. That's no, not okay. It's all hurting, ego. Hurting people is, you know, unless you have an understanding where, you know, unless I'd said to this particular director, listen, I'm not great with tears. What I'd really appreciate is if you could come and scream in my face right before the shot <laughs> and you'll get to, you know, like, then that, then sure, then that's a trusting, that's a conversation you've had, that's an understanding you have. But I had not had any kind of conversation with this director of any kind like that. And he, he actually not only yelled at me, sort of tried to humiliate me a little bit. Oh, and I was geez. 19. I was 19. And it was a really full-on scene. And I was sitting with these two extras who were playing cops. They were two lovely guys. My character was waiting for the coroner to come out because my boyfriend had killed himself in prison, of course. The standard Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I had to jump up, you know, hysterical, sort of going, I want to see him, they won't let me see him, they won't let me see him, you know, crying and screaming. So heavy stuff. And we're sitting in this little holding room and they're about to roll and and, uh, and um, I was very quiet, just sort of trying to get, gather my thoughts and the director said, you know, you ready to go? And I was like, um, yep, yep, I'm ready. He's like, okay. Right, so you're going to cry? And I went, yep, just two seconds. Once you turn over, I'm good to go sort of thing. And I was sort of looking at the ground, sort of getting myself ready. And he went, yeah, you, but you need to cry. And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. I understand. I will. Um, and just, just, just once you've turned over, I'm good to go. And then he just went, well, we don't have time to muck around, blah, blah, blah. And then just, and he just laid into me. What kind of an actor are you? You know, you know, we, we're already running over and you're, this is bullshit. And, and just, and, but full voice screaming at me. I could see the AD sort of looking like, what the hell is this guy doing? And I just looked up at him and like, I was like, okay, I get it, calm down, because <laughs> he was screaming at me. What a I, dickhead. 
what a dickhead. And then, he, and then he was like, this is bullshit, threw his arms in the air and walked off. And I looked at the AD, like, what just happened? And he went, are you okay? And I went, well, I'm angry. <laughs> I said, is he trying to get me to, like, is he trying to get me to cry? Is that what's happening? He said, I, I'm, I guess, I think so. I said, well, that's not working for me. No. What <laughs> a hack. Like, when this is, you know, this is 20 years ago. So, yeah. you know, I, you wouldn't get away with that now. You'd bloody be. You well, you'd think not. You'd think not. I mean, you'd okay. like to think not, I hope yeah. not. Yeah. Um, well, that, that leads us, I mean, we could talk more about that. Uh, uh, that leads <laughs> us into our next question, though, is when was the last time you cried and why? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was either last night, night before. Maybe the night before. I was watching a TV show and there was they were interviewing this um deaf blind woman these two deaf blind women and um these they were friends and they were it was really amazing the things that they could still do with their lives i sort of you know did that terrible thing of assuming that they would have such restricted lives and you know in some ways they did but um they were just these really remarkable women they kind of blew me away and it wasn't anything like major but one of them sat down and she has partial hearing but completely blind and partial minimal hearing like legally deaf but she said she has some hearing and she sat down and played the piano and I cried because I was like what you are amazing. I am just not an excellent human. Like, I'm just not exceptional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right. But, like, like I just was so blown away by the the beauty of that. That sounds so corny. Of course. So no, no. It, of course, those things that, you it know. It was so beautiful. And I play piano and I, and I, I rely so much on my sight and, of course, my hearing um, to do that. And, um, and she just sat there and, and I was like, Oh, I love music and I love how beautiful that is. Like I just was kind of just took, and it took me by surprise. I sort of just had my hand on my chest, like clutching at my pearls. Yeah. And I just, <laughs> you know, I just sort of was like, oh, oh, it, it took me by surprise. The tears took me by surprise, but I, it made me teary. And most people would cry in that situation. Uh, most Maybe. Fi- <laughs> I, I can imagine crying anyway. Um <laughs> What the next question? What what is your current state of mind? You know, I'm, I'm pretty good. <laughs> uh, I, I think I'm a bit stressed. Yeah. I'm worrying about you know how I'm going to pay my bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Like every actor who doesn't currently have a job. Yeah. Um, you know that never goes away. Uh, again, Ellen Burstyn, hilarious. I'm bringing her up again, but I remember she was saying she, uh, uh, you know, she's in her 80s now unbelievable she's won won an oscar you know she she's ellen burston you know uh had a this was a couple of years ago she said i recently had a had lunch with a director about a film and i left the lunch and thought oh god i hope i get it oh oh my god ellen burston oscar winning you know incredible she's an incredible actor like as if you'd ever wonder or question if you're going to get the job, but it doesn't go away, you know. So she's remarkable. Um, she's remarkable. She is remarkable. But I loved that because I went, okay, that's okay. That feeling doesn't go away. That's all right that it doesn't go away. So you know, I, I guess I'm currently a little stressed about whether I'm going to get work and mm. what it might be, and 
will I be able to fulfill the needs of that job and, you know, all of that stuff. Um, I'm also, I feel really uh, loved and supported and, and quite content as well. I feel really quite content. That's great. Um, a little frustrated because um, I've had been a bit unwell and I, I'm sort of getting a bit frustrated mm. with that, but I've got to try to learn to sort of be okay about not knowing some things in the world. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. My yeah. My is um, pretty good. It is such an ongoing challenge trying to, you know, be okay with not knowing that things are going to be okay. Yeah. And we're always not knowing as performers, as you know, oh, we, yeah. we just never know what the job's going to be, when it's going to be, will we be able to pay for this? You know, when you're working, it's okay. When you're not, is it going to be okay? Should I do this? Like, Because the, the thing is when you've got downtime, you should probably go on a holiday because, you know, when you're working, you're working 15, 16 hours a day. It's, you know, it's quite, can be quite full on and quite, <clears throat> excuse me, and quite exhausting. And so when you do have periods when you're not working you should really rest and really you know take that time to sort of re rejuvenate and and enjoy some things and go on a vacation but we're always so worried that we're never get, ever going to work again that we better not spend the money on a holiday or we better not go away in case you miss an audition yeah. so you never bloody have a holiday really no, like, it's freelancers curse it, yeah. re it really is and then the conversation moved to McCalla discussing the various reasons an actor might not be considered for a role which have nothing to do with whether or not they're suitable for it it's that thing you know when you when you're starting out you know it's like oh we we want a name for this role so you go well i'm never going to get the job because they want someone famous right <laughs> and then you get to a point where you're somewhat recognizable yeah and they're like oh, it's just we've seen we've seen a lot of her yeah. um you know she's everywhere at the moment we sort of feel like and i'm like but 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 you know i can't win Unbelievable. and then of course you know you as a especially as a woman i'm sure this happens to men as well but particularly as a woman you get through you go through the the age thing as well yeah. of like oh she's she's just too old or i know she 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 doesn't quite look like a mum is oh, the thing God. you know so you just sort of going i'm just i'm up against it all the time and I know that That's sounds ridiculous. really negative. That sounds really negative, but it is. No, it's it is true. A, That's just you're just telling the news. You're you're just. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the joy is, and you know, and I, I'm certainly not complaining because I am one of the fortunate ones in this country that that you know, for the last 15 years, I haven't had to go and work in a cafe or you know, find a. I haven't had to have a you know, side job. I've had the absolute privilege of just being an actor for the, at least the last 15 years which is rare so i'm certainly not poo-pooing it but i'm like no but you're you're talented <laughs> and you work really hard um, oh, and thanks. it's uh it, that's that's one of the things that you know it's that that's what separates people because you know that a lot of actors are lazy and um yeah. Yeah. I, it's because they think they can get away with their charm and or their looks or whatever and else. Some Fortunately, that's yeah, they can for a limited time. Listen to me railing against people with looks and charm. I apologize. Some of my best friends have looks and charm. But if I know anything about actors, it's that we like to whinge. And, uh, you know, the, the one thing I will say is that whenever I work, I am absolutely love it. And there will be occasions where I'm a bit tired or a bit grumpy like anyone. But for the most part, I'm really grateful that I'm, I'm working and I really enjoy it. Whereas I know some actors, as soon as they get a job, they're whinging about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, this and that. And I'm like, 
this is what you want to do. Why? If yeah. it's so miserable, like if you're so miserable, don't do it. So you interesting. Ah, oh, it drives me nuts. I, I want to, you know, because there's people who would give an arm and a leg to do what we get to do. And I try to remember that all the time, especially if it's a really early morning and I'm not so great in the morning, you know, and I, I go, oh, it's a bit early, but I also <laughs> wake up. I also, at the same time, wake up and go, oh, it's a bit early, but yay, awesome, you know, most of the time. Then that's the honest truth. So... It is yeah. interesting, though, that, that, what, that condition, though, where you were working in a bar, not you, but one was working in a bar, and yeah. especially over here, and then they suddenly they're plucked out of the bar and onto network television, and they become multi-millionaires, yeah. multi and they'll be getting residual yeah. checks in the hundreds of thousands every month for the rest of their lives, and they are furious oh. about it. <laughs> right? Careful what you wish for. This is the thing. It's a truth. That's the truth. Because people think they know what they want, and then they get it and go, "Oh, I didn't think it was going to be this hard." Or, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Um, exactly. I question eight is what do you consider your greatest achievement? Oh man, I I actually think <laughs> this is, might sound a bit funny, but I moved I've moved around a, a lot in my life um, because my father was in in the entertainment industry as well and. Um, you've got to go where the work is. And so I moved around quite a lot. Um, and I actually think one of my greatest achievements is that I have maintained solid, close, long-standing friendships with my core group of friends. So I have, I have two friends I have been friends with for 22 years. And for someone who's moved around a lot, that's really difficult to achieve. So I'm actually really proud of that's that. That's great. That I've managed to maintain friendships from from school when I when I was at you know multiple schools, um, and then after that moving around quite a bit with work. So I'm really I, yeah I'm really I'm really proud of I'm really proud of that. I mm. think that's a great achievement because you know um, there's a lot of transience in this industry, and I I work with really wonderful form really wonderful relationships with lots of people with, that I work with and. You know, and many of those I'm still friends with. But in terms of, you know, when you get a bit older, there's that sort of four or five people you go, I am always completely myself. Yeah. Um, I can always feel like I'm home when I'm with them. And, and um, they're my family in a lot of ways because I yeah. have been family in Melbourne. And so to know that I've got people near me that give a shit about me, like actually really give a shit about me is really awesome. So good. I wish that for everyone, really, because it's it's nice. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I, I agree. Uh, question nine is: Who would you want in your side? Sorry. Question nine is: Who would you want on your side in a battle, and why? Bloody hell! It depends on the battle. Like, what's the fight? You know, is it a physical fight? Because you know, then I'd want the Hulk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I like I like the idea of a show business a show business battle. Like, who would you want? You know, or. Yeah. <laughs> Or if a you're good doing, lawyer, you know, depends like, on the fight. Dirty laundry depends live. Who do you want to sit next to you? I mean, you know, my my best mates are always going to have my back, so I'd, I'd certainly want I'd certainly want mm. my friends Betty, Angie, Paula, and Chris and Alana. I'd want them with me because <laughs> um, they will have my back no matter what. Yeah. And I'm sure if it got physical, they'd really be able to <laughs> give it a good go. That's good. It's important. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a tricky one. Uh, probably my older brother too, because he's um, 
my oldest brother is – I mean, I've got two two older brothers, but the oldest one is um, really, uh, I think, very protective of me in a lot of ways. So I'd probably uh, want him want him on the battlefield. Cool. <laughs> want yeah. Leon. Leon. Leon with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that is good. Well, shout out to all of them. Um, <laughs> and, and the final question is what would you like your last words to be? <laughs> my very last words to be? I would like them to be, I love you, good night. That's nice. Is that good? It is not. It is good, yeah. Because that means, that means I've got the person, I've got my person with me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to sleep. Yeah. So you just say, I love you, I love you, honey, good night. And then off you go to sleep and that's it. That'd be lovely. Oh. Highly, highly unlikely, but that's how I <laughs> We have ignition sequence start. Short distance, high impact. Five, four, three, two. All engines running. Ten questions with Adam Zwar. Big names, great minds. Make yourself a cup of tea. Liftoff. We have liftoff. 